Welcome, Matrix members. Public speaking is a genuine fear for many people. Quarantining during our pandemic left us feeling a loss of words when faced with an opportunity to speak in front of another human being. If you get heart flutters at the thought of speaking to a group of people, our guest, Brandon Kumarasamy, has actionable tips for us during our talk today. Many of us cringe at the thought of talking in front of a crowd of people. We've often heard the phrases, be yourself, or get up on stage, or better imagine everyone in their underpants. But during my personal journey, I've never found this advice useful. Brandon Kumarasamy, our guest today, is the founder of the YouTube channel Master Talk. Brandon is a communication coach, and he is dedicated to teaching his community how to master public speaking with confidence and clarity. After this episode, you will be equipped with the resources you need to begin your journey mastering communication. Welcome to the Organic Matrix, Brendan. Samantha, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have you as a guest. Your YouTube channel has brought so much value to those around you. Can you tell us what inspired you to educate others on the art of communication? Yeah, for sure, Samantha. Happy to. So it all started when I was in college. I went to business school and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing rugby or football or some other sport, you probably wouldn't see me playing. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching people who were younger than me, not really for money or anything, Samantha. I was just helping them win these competitions. And that's what helped me gain the expertise to start Master Talk because I realized, to your point, a lot of the advice out there sucks. It's like picture of their underwear. I was like, what if they're attractive? What do you do? Like you just stare at them all day and then get arrested? I don't get it. So then, <laughs> so I started making videos in my mom's basement. And then a few years later, I just turned into something I never could have imagined. That's wonderful. I love that. It's inspiring, honestly, that you, and it's, I think it started the best way because it came from a good place. Did you think that um, because you had a passion for it, that it contributed to your success? Definitely. I, I definitely do think that's meant that. Because to your point, I was just making fun of these videos. Like even I was thought these videos stunk. Like mm-hmm. I was just making them every week. And people don't have to take my word for it. Go watch my first videos. It's literally just me in my mom's basement on a couch. And I'm just speaking out ideas. And the reason I didn't feel forced to make it a business was because I, I had a great job at IBM. And that's that's what helped me, you know, pay for all of my production when I started professionalizing the channel later. But it was years, probably years later after I'd started the channel that I realized people pay for coaching. And I was like, oh, you could actually build a business around this. I could do this full time. So yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. What makes communication an art? Beautiful question. What makes communication an art? Let's start with the basic principle, which is the biggest mistake a lot of us make with communication is we see it as a chore. Whenever we think of communication, we think of anxiety, stress, nerves. Whereas for me, Samantha, the question has always been, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Why don't we dream about our communication skills? We dream about the expensive things we want to buy, the vacations we want to go on. So when we apply it to that frame, Communication becomes an art, in my opinion, because the answer to that question, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator, is different for all of us. 
you might want to be a great communicator to be a better podcaster, even if you're already pretty amazing. Somebody else might say, hey, uh, I want to be a great communicator so I can be a better mother for my children or a better father for my kids. Somebody else might say, you know, I, I want to travel, I want to make new friends, or in my case, you know, build a bigger YouTube channel and share my ideas with the world. But because communication has a different answer for all of us, that is the cool thing. And that's why I consider it an art because the reason we're all mastering it is different. I love that. And I can totally understand how you could, you could pair it up that way because it's so malleable. And that is art. Absolutely. Well, what is the importance of learning communication skills? Absolutely. So, so the way that I think about this is a lot of us think that communication is about getting our next job promotion, doing well at work, getting the next sale in our businesses. And I think that's just part of the picture. I would say the bigger piece, Samantha, is that communication leads to a more fulfilling life. It's the way that we talk to our families. It's the way that we order food at a restaurant and make the waiter feel like they're not having a shitty day because all their customers probably suck. And it's also traveling and making new friends. It's about the quality of our life. And once we realize that effective communication is about leading a quality life, that is when we start to take it more seriously. And that's why I think it's so important because it affects every moment of every day of what we do. Amen, that's a big picture. What's the biggest challenge with communicating with our peers in your opinion, from what you've observed with your students? Yeah, for sure. I would say communication with peers specifically, the biggest mistake I see is the idea of questions versus statements. So I'll give you an example. Most of us, when we communicate, it's usually a ping pong of statements. Mm -hmm. Example. I believe this. Well, I believe this. Well, I believe this. And I believe, and it's like a co continuous friction of statements. People are just throwing statements at each other. Whereas what the best communicators on the planet do is that whenever they're asked a statement or somebody says a statement, I believe this, they generally reply with, why do you believe that? Why is that important for you? Why, why is that top of mind for you? So when they reply with questions, the quality of the communication improves because it leads to nuances in the conversation that wouldn't have existed before. And it also makes you more interesting as a person because Dale Carnegie always says, it's more important to be interested in other people than to be interesting yourself. And the magic of this is, it's not that hard. If, if you audit the number of questions versus statements that we ask, a lot of the times the answer is usually zero, one, or two. So the key is just to increase that number and that will automatically improve that area of life. I love that you mentioned Dale Carnegie. I love his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because you're right, there's so, is a, it's kind of an etiquette too, right? Like what's, and also knowing the intention of conversation, like to bring back what you said about, it's better to be interested than interesting. If we think about it like objectively, who are the people that we love to be around the most? The people we feel like we, we can have full expression and that they care and that they're considerate to our existence and reality. And that's where we would be the most loyal. And that's where things don't feel like a chore because you can be authentic. So I love that you said that because we have these desires. And it's so interesting when we have wants, we have our ego's way of of conceptualizing how we can achieve those wants. And usually that's like, oh, I really want this person's attention. Let me be interesting. 
but then there's the reality of the situation and that's when we like think with our heart and use empathy and be like if i were this person how would i like to be treated to get the certain reaction and that's where the power really comes in because it's like you have to create the environment for what we want to build in this conversation or relationship and that 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 happens with the absence of ego would you say absolutely i mean i love your share Samantha. i completely agree it's the idea that the more we take care of the people around us the more that we understand their wants and needs at a deeper level the most the more you gain their loyalty because you show care that most people don't and just doing a little bit of that already puts you ahead of most people that's what i think is interesting a lot of people say go the extra mile for people i always say go the extra meter because most people aren't even really to run the extra meter. So if you do that, and then you run marathons for the people that really pour into you, that's the best way strategically, I would say, and energetically, more importantly, to, to pour into the right people and to give them the the happiness that that they deserve. And, and then for you as well, to, to get that as well. Yes. What do you, why do you think uh, many people pub, uh, struggle with public speaking? I think the reason, Samantha, is because we grew up believing that communication is a chore. Here, here's what I mean by this. Where do we learn how to speak formally? The answer is school. Right? High school, elementary school, regardless of where you are in the world. But the problem, Samantha, is all of those presentations have three things in common. Number one, they're all mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Samantha, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Says nobody ever... So that's one. Number two is all of those presentations are different. It's never one presentation that you spend three years building. It's always eight presentations per semester and the topics suck. It's never, hey, uh, what are you passionate about, Samantha? You know, the removing of the ego, starting a podcast, uh, the world, space. Like, no, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. Then after you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And then you're like, do I even live in Missouri? Like, what? <laughs> It's just much of these random topics that you that we really don't care about, frankly. And then number three is the worst. Every presentation is tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, you get punished for it. You lose 20 to 25% of your grade. You don't get a pat on the back. You get a slap in the face. So what's the point? The, the key conclusion here is that all of the presentations that we grew up doing as kids are mandatory, different, and punishable, which means we grew up believing that communication is a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. You're right. We got conditioned. Absolutely. How can we take steps to rewrite these behaviors? That's the right question to ask. Absolutely. So the first part to that is the whole, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? I feel that empowering question is one a lot of people don't think about in the context of communication. We might get excited about the next TV show, about a new skill we want to learn, about a vacation we want to go on. We don't really get excited about our comms. So I would start there. And then the other piece is what to do tactically which I call my easy three. So I'll pause after each one so I don't monologue for 15 minutes here. Mm -hmm. So the first one is called the random word exercise, Samantha. So all you have to do is pick a random word, like tissue box, like trophy, like award, like talk, and give random presentations out of thin air. The reason why this exercise is so effective is if you can make sense out of nonsense, 
you could make sense out of anything. And that's the magic of the random word. So I always recommend for people who are listening, we all shower every day. So you can do, you got 10 minutes in there to do the random word exercise or 30, depending on how long you shower for. The second piece is you can do this with your kids. For those of you who have children listening to this, I always recommend my clients do this like in a car when they're picking up their kids from school instead of listening to music and just doing it three, five times a day. So that's number one. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, you want me to keep going? Okay, cool. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say anything. Okay, cool. So number two is called the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our life, Samantha, right? On a podcast, on a show, at work, at school. But a lot of us are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. So example. A few years ago when I started podcasting, I sucked. I remember somebody asked me the funniest question. He was like, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, I don't know, man, San Diego, London, you tell me. Like, it's, I wasn't ready for the question, so I got caught off guard. So instead, what I did is every day for five minutes, I would answer just one question that I thought somebody was going to ask me about com communication. So for example, one would be, where does the fear of communication come from? Two would be, how, what tips do you have for introverts? And I just did that every single day until I had an answer for everything. And it's funny, you actually asked me a question that I'd never gotten yet, which is, is in what way communication is an art, which is fascinating. But the point is, is the question drill is something we can all do. So every day for five minutes, that's all I ask you all to do. Think of one question and answer it. If you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry and you'll be bulletproof. So that's number two. And then finally, number three is so simple that nobody does it. Make a list of the 10 people you love the most in your life. Your friends, your family, your clients, your colleagues, and ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent them, not a 20-minute, but a 20-second video message to just say, hey, I really appreciate having you in my life. I'm super grateful for you. Just do that, and you'll watch the world change in front of you. I love that. And and I, I bet that's going to make a lot of people's days. It does. You know, there's this one woman who interviewed me. It was a few months ago. Her name is Christina. And I told her about this exercise on, the, on a podcast like this. And she sent video messages to her grandparents because she never sees them. And it made it made their day because they never see, hear her voice. They, they haven't seen her in months. And it only took her a minute to do that. I love that advice. And I would also like to see if you can show us how you would play the random word game. I'm more than happy to, Samantha. Throw any word my way. Socks. Awesome. So for those who are listening to this podcast, uh, Samantha did not give me the word socks, and I have to create a random presentation at dinner, which I'm going to do right now. <laughs> As I prepare for my day every single morning, I, I have to put a couple of things on, you know, my shirt, my pants. But even when I'm indoors, 
I'm always wearing my socks. And the reason is because they make me feel comfortable. There's no dirt on my feet when I'm walking around in my house. But they also make me feel a little bit more relaxed. Relieves a little bit of anxiety from my life. Life is kind of like socks in some way, shape, or form, Samantha. A lot of us are always looking for the Louis Vuitton jacket. We're always looking for the $300 hat, the $500 Jordans, the expensive things to show our status for other people, but we forget about the most important thing, the small things, the $10 socks that nobody cares about. But that makes your life easier. Imagine if it was winter and you didn't have socks on, and you accidentally put your feet, your boots, into the snow. Yeah, you probably would have wished you had a couple of socks there. <laughs> I encourage all of you to not just think about the jackets in your life, the hats, the toques, the things that everyone else sees, but the small things that really matter and can make your life just a little bit happier. There you go, socks. I love it. You know, your presentation reminded me of the pen. Like, sell me this pen. <laughs> and what I... I imagine in my head is like instead of like someone doing a speech like because you spoke about all like you brought up you brought a visual experience a visceral experience an emotional experience and made us really realize the small things the ten dollar socks that we take for granted and it reminded me of like when you sell the pen it's like many people would say well it's a great pen and it has a great feel but in reality it's like can you give me your autograph Oh, you don't have a pen. Here you go. Like doing it like, because you made it practical. I love it. I love Thank it. you. I appreciate it. And what that would emphasize with everyone listening to this, the goal is not to do it well. The goal is to do it a lot. Because a lot of people ask me, like, what's my secret behind it? Brenda, how did you do this? The secret is I did it 3,000 times. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating that number. So if you just do it five times a day, like what I just did took 60 seconds. But when you start, Samantha, it's going to sound like this. Uh, socks is, uh, uh, should I show Samantha my socks? Socks is, Like you're like confused <laughs> and you don't know. But if you do this five times a day for a year, get this. You'll have done the exercise 1,800 times. Is that wild? Yeah. Five minutes a day for a year? That's really the magic. And I love that because I, something that um, I'm not the only one that struggles with is the idea that we want to like okay so it's like a trap right we want to respond and be witty and like have wise responses for the people we speak to but sometimes that could be such a disrupting goal that it could block us from truly listening to the other person and we're already creating like a narrative from an assumption that maybe is could be off topic because we didn't hear the whole story before we were like coming up with a response doing this exercise can really support people who struggle with responding right away or like reading these pauses because you'll be able to put together an articulate thought on the spot and yeah learning how instead of feeling like oh mm, uh Literally 1,000%. You're absolutely right, Samantha. It's not just in the context of presentations. It's in the context of life. Because if you can think on your feet, that's why I always say communication is a multiplier effect. Mm -hmm. When one domino falls, all the other dominoes start to fall with it. Where, oh, wait a second. If I can do the random word exercise in presentations, you'll do it in conversations too. Like I'm doing right now. Like when you asked me the art question, I was like, huh, how do I answer this one? And I figured out an answer. So there you go. <laughs> how, how can we present our ideas confidently in a group setting? 
Absolutely. So this is a strategy I teach called puzzle. So communication in many ways, Samantha, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those uh, toy puzzles you used to as kids, those little things we put together? Mm-hmm. So if I asked you, it's a simple question, don't worry. Nothing, nothing too hard. If you're working on this puzzle, which pieces would you start with first and why? The border, so that it can give me a foundation. Exactly. Easy question. Right. And the other piece I would add to your point is they're also easier to find in the box because they got those little edge pieces to them. So why am I bringing up puzzles? The reason I bring them up is a lot of us do the opposite in communication, unfortunately, which is we start with the middle. We shove a bunch of stuff in our presentations. We get to the presentation and it sounds like this. We blab throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide we go uh yeah so thanks that's what 99 percent of people do it's wild and it's so easy to fix all you have to do is present and practice your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle start with the edges first do the introduction 50 times just the introduction 50 seems like a wild number oh my god brendan's making us do this 50 times the introduction's like 60 90 seconds people like this takes an hour Okay, max. That's that's true. Right? It only takes six seconds. So so you're done after an hour. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Then do the conclusion 50 times. Then tackle the middle. And a great example is actually you, Samantha. I'm sure when you started this podcast and you started introducing guests, you're probably like, uh, I don't really know how to do this. But now you got like a whole script. It's really nice. And you're like, I, I, I'm scared of communication, all this stuff. So, <laughs> so that takes time because you did, in many ways, you applied the jigsaw puzzle analogy without knowing the analogy because you started with the end, the start and you're like, let me get this right. But you're really good at it now because you've done it 20, 30, you know, X number of times, probably even more at this point. So that's really the, the advice for all of us is to apply that. Thank you. And I appreciate that the compliment too because it's true i i i definitely needed master talk sooner <laughs> and i'm glad i met you because i saw some of your videos on youtube and the first like two minutes i was already learning new techniques and different ways of looking at communication and i was like this guy is a real professional i love it i love what you're doing uh, we try we try so i appreciate it what can, what advice can you offer to how we can communicate if we're introverted Absolutely. So I'd always say to my introverts, because that's most of the people I've worked with in my career, what surprised me the most is that introverts are actually way better at communication than extroverts. They just don't know why. So there's three strengths that introverts have in communication. Number one is listening. If you're an introvert, it implies that you speak less on average, which means you'll listen more on average. I sucked at listening for many years and I'm still a work in progress here because I'm an extra extrovert. That's why I like being a guest. I like talking a lot, <laughs> right? So whenever I'm, I'm speaking, I don't listen as effectively as an introvert can, which means the introvert, Samantha, can adapt the message a lot faster to the audience mm. and is a lot more empathetic to the audience too. So that's number one. Number two is pausing. Pausing is the most important skill in communication, to take a beat, to draw emphasis to a core piece of your message. Let me tell you, extroverts struggle with this. And the reason is because whenever they're at a bar, they're at a party, and there's a space, 
they immediately want to fill it up. What's your favorite color, Samantha? So just uh, they're always trying to fill up the space, which is I'm guilty as charged here. Being I'm guilty too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, please. <laughs> there you go. Introvert doesn't have that problem. They're super comfortable with silence because once again, they speak less on average. So they can just stare at you at a bar and just keep looking at you <laughs> and not say anything, which means in presentations, they're very comfortable pausing. So you tell them to pause for two seconds. They go, okay. Oh, that does, does that make me a better presenter? And they just do it. So it's easy for them. That's number two. Number three is one that I don't think anybody knows. Number three is introverts are actually more accessible, Samantha, to a wider group of people. Example, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V is the CEO of VaynerMedia. He has a massive social media following and brand. And I'm a big fan of his work. That's why I use him in my podcast example because I know he wouldn't mind. He's an extrovert. You either like the guy or you don't. Nobody's in the middle with Gary Vee. You either go, oh my God, he's the best, or you go, I hate this guy. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the consequence of being an extrovert. Once again, all respect to him. Mm -hmm. But Brene Brown, you cannot, Samantha, let me repeat this again. You cannot say, I hate Brene Brown. Because if you say that, the FBI, the CIA, and the SWAT team will be at your house and arrest you. Right, that's how illegal it is in our society to hate on introverts. I've, <laughs> I've yet to meet. By the way, I love Bernie Brown. I love her work. But the point that I want to drive is when you're more introverted, you can actually reach a wider group of people. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is triple down on your strengths. I love, I love that. Uh, what can you? Uh, I I I think I can guess what you would advise an extrovert that has the tendency of overstimulating their audience. Um, but I do want to ask that question just to clarify for the extroverts out there you know we're not forgetting about you <laughs> it seems like Brandon and I are extroverts but I, I've, I've recently you know podcasting learn how I always admired introverts for the same exact qualities that you mentioned you know I've always felt heard listened understood never judged and you know seeing that I was such an extrovert I was kind of like the I love to see myself as the entertainer like putting on a show see if I can make my introverted friends laugh out loud um so what kind of advice can you advise someone who does they get so excited that they can't they have to fill up the silence and they have those kind of tendencies how can you how what kind of advice can help them like kind of slow down take that pause absolutely Samantha so here's the advice. The advice is, I would say the principle is learn from the other. So whenever I coach introverts, because those three things I mentioned, they'll pick it up really quickly. So the key is, is that the master communicator can do what both introverts and extroverts are good at, mm -hmm. right? So let, let me go through the three strengths. I won't spend too much time on this, but the three strengths with extroverts is they're willing to take more risk. So even if the joke isn't funny, they'll still say the joke. So that's one. Number two is vocal projection. Because they talk a lot more, their vocal range is wider than introverts. So for example, that's why my vocal range is really wide because I karaoke in eight different languages. I go clubbing, I record with my family. Like it's just I'm I'm as extrovert as they come. And I guest on like these pot the podcasts, right? So I'm always talking and making videos. So because of that, the vocal range. And the third advantage that extroverts are the main ones anyways, is eye contact. They're really good at just staring into people's eyes for really long periods of time. Introverts have a really hard time with that. So what's the point here? The point is you got to learn from each other. So if you're an introvert, learn more from the extrovert. Work on your vocal projection. Voc work on you know the joke that you don't want to tell. But if you're an extrovert, 
you already do those things really well. So do what the introvert is doing. So the key is really to be the mesh of both. That's why I really took it to myself to learn what introverts do well so I could do it well too. And we can adapt to being amnibirds. We're almost like towards the end, but this is like the most fun and also the most like nutrient thoughtful dense conversations I've had. And I can't believe how fast it's going, but it really goes to show that you put your training into practice because all I see is clear, concise, and um, like easy to understand content with with your speech. And I think that's why it's like, I feel like time's going slower, but I can't believe how fast it's going. I love that. I appreciate that, Samantha. You know, the 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 point that I want to drive here, look, let's let's go to the most important tip while we're at it. The most important tip, Samantha, is so simple. The best way to speak is to speak. So let me tell you the biggest mistake everyone who's listening to this podcast is making right now, which is the following. Oh, Samantha, you brought on this such a cool guest, uh, this Brendan guy. He talked about the random word. Excellent. Then he demonstrated, my God, that he did the <laughs> video messages. He talked about the question drills. But the problem is that most people aren't going to do any of those exercises. That's the problem. So if you want to win, the goal is not to be Samantha or Brendan. The goal is, are you booking 15 minutes, not 15 hours, 15 minutes tomorrow to do all three of those exercises? That's how you get the result. The reason I'm so crisp on a podcast is because I've done 600 of them. I've been asked the same question over and over and over again. And that's okay because people aren't supposed to ask me my favorite colors. That's okay because... Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> they want to ask me questions on communication. So it's our duty as people who share ideas with the world to get so good at answering those same questions that people don't need to ask a follow-up question on it because it's so clear. That's so true. I, I read in a book, I think by Deepak Chopra. I think it's um The Way of the Wizard, one of my favorite books. Have you read it? No, but I'd love to learn more. It's a great book. Uh, it's It takes, it's like, taking the stories from Merlin the wizard and the time of uh, King Arthur and his like upbringing, uh, how he was raised by Merlin and like uh, principles of his childhood that Merlin taught him. And the, one of the first lessons is, you know, you're a master at something when you can tell the whole story in one sentence. Oh, very cool. I learned something new today. I always learn something from the host. And that's that's the lesson. <laughs> so what inspired you to begin Master Talk? Absolutely. So there's there's kind of two parts to that question, Samantha. There is, you know, what inspired me to begin and what inspires me to continue. So what inspired me to begin wasn't that much. You know, I was I was a twenty-two-year-old kid when I started Master Talk. I just had an idea for it because the people I was coaching for those years kind of wanted me to make the videos in some way. Because future students, I wasn't able to coach because I had to focus on my corporate life that I'd spent years getting. So that's what began the inspiration. I didn't think people were going to listen to it. I mean, think about it. Who's going to watch public speaking YouTube videos? I never thought anyone would. So, But I knew those five people would. So I started making those videos. Today, though, I would say the vision has evolved a lot, quite a bit. So I'm happy to share the story behind it. So the story is about a TikTok that I, I watched a few months ago. So I'm watching this TikTok, right, Samantha? And the TikTok is about Taylor Swift. She wins an award called Woman of the Year that a company called Billboard gives out, it's a music company, and it's 2014. So she wins this award. 
She gets up on a stage and she says, your future woman of the year is 11 years old right now. She's sitting in a choir, she's playing piano, and she has big dreams to be a star. And we need to take care of her. And then what happens is the TikTok flips to like five, seven years later. And Billie Eilish becomes the youngest inductee in Billboard's history to win one of the year, like 17 or something. And she's like a kid, right? She's barely a woman. So she gets up on the stage. She's got her big bulky jacket. She's got her big glasses. And she sounds something like this. Yo, what's up, guys? I can't believe I won this award. I don't know how this happened. And Taylor's so amazing. And, and she keeps just blabbering. And then the last 30 seconds of her speech completely changed my life. She looks at the crowd and goes, yeah, like when it was 2014, I was watching Taylor Swift's speech and I was 11 years old. And I was learning how to sing and I was in choir and you all took care of me. So thank you, Bill Burns. She walks off stage. And the reason that cha- that story forever changed my life, Samantha, is I thought about the next Elon Musk. Because when Elon was a 13-year-old kid in South Africa, nobody cared about him. Nobody sat him down for 45 minutes and said, hey, kid, you're going to be a big star someday. You should probably learn how to speak. It'll make your life easier. And nobody did that for Elon. So I thought about the next Elon Musk, who's probably an 11-year-old girl in Cambodia. And I thought to myself, am I the only human being on Earth right now who's trying to create free communication resources for that girl or for that boy, whoever it is? And I realized I was. So I took it a lot more seriously and I quit my job. (laughs) I love it. That's the best. You were chosen for that. Like, that's definitely a higher calling because, you know, I think that's the pinnacle of self-actualization. <laughs> that's that's way too much credit, but I appreciate it. Yeah, the thing is, you've dedicated your attention and your expertise to helping people from all over the world. Like, all over the world. You're giving... You know, when we think about 100 years ago when, you know, it was illegal for kids, people of color to go to school, you know, like 100 years ago. You think about people in this present day and across like third world countries that don't have the resources, but they want to learn English. They want to learn how to speak. They want to change their generational circumstances. And you enable them to have a chance to become an expert, to, to express their intelligence. And that's worth the world's weight in gold because you know, we could be we could be a genius, but if we don't know how to express our mind and our being, nobody will know. And if nobody knows, it's like if Einstein never gave us the e equals MC square because of the ethics behind it, he wouldn't have been such a profound educator and scientist in all other areas in his life, because all publicity is good publicity in some ways. Because sometimes we have to make sacrifices to get the attention. But yeah, that's why I think it's really important what you're what you're doing, because you're right. Like to consider to be that considerate to people that you don't know is why I think that's the pinnacle of self-actualization, because a lot of people are just doing things they don't care about. But you're over here trying to help somebody you don't know. Oh, I appreciate that, Samantha. And that's very kind. I think I learned a lot from your share around. Yeah, that's that's really actually really important what you mentioned because I didn't think about it myself is the whole idea that people of color could even go to school a hundred years ago. That's so true. Mm-hmm. It's it's really wild to think about that. And the, and the other piece though that, that I, that's important to add is anyone can 
can do this. And what I mean by do this, I don't mean being a communication coach or being a professional football player. I mean, do them at a level that can reach and help other people. You know, there's this great quote by Pope Francis, by one of my heroes, Scott Harrison. He talks a lot about this. He's the CEO of Charity Water. And what he said, he, he said the quote essentially, which is this, all it takes in the world is for one person to have hope, right? All it takes to create hope in the world is one person. And why can't that person just be you? Mm-hmm. And when you focus on that and you realize that, like, I never thought like it would turn into this whole Elon Musk story. I was just a kid. I, I still live in my mother's basement, even if I do much better than I used to. But it was just a small idea that we just keep building on. So what I would encourage everyone who's listening to this is to start with those little steps and then build it up over time. And you never know what it's going to turn into. Amen. Amen. Brendan, time for some rapid fire. Oh, before before we do the rapid fire, I did. I want to challenge our listeners to record themselves doing the three exercises Brendan mentioned and to tag us in social media or send it to us in our DMs if you don't want to post it. But we want to help you stay accountable. So feel free to reach out to us and tag us. I love that. That's an awesome challenge. Thank you. Because I mean, when you mentioned it, like some people might not do it. I was like, he's right. So let's be let's be the ignition here. So rapid fire. How would your parents describe what you do? <laughs> that is the right question to ask me. My mom has no idea what I do. You know, when I when I worked at, you know, PwC, that was my first job as an accountant. She just looked at people and says, yeah, he does numbers. And then when I worked at IBM, she would tell all of her friends, all of her, my son works at IBM in her Indian accent. <laughs> And she has no idea what I'm doing at IBM either. And now this, my goodness, I think she just goes communication, communication. <laughs> she doesn't speak English well, but she's my biggest fan. She watches all my videos, but she doesn't understand them. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love that. What do you think the world will look like in the next 50 years? That's a powerful question. That's a good one, Samantha. Oh, I'd love to get your answer to this question too, but I would say for me, <laughs> she's like, oh, <laughs> I would say for me, here's what I hope. I hope that in 50 years towards the end of my life, I can say, at least in the context of my work, that I don't have to worry about the next Elon Musk anymore. That my information is systematized in a way that lives beyond me. Like the problem with Dale Carnegie is not Dale himself. It was the time period that he was born because he died in like 1920. So there wasn't like a podcast like this. You can actually, you actually have, there's no recording of him actually speaking, which really sucks. Whereas what I attempt a hundred years later, because I was born in the right time period of history, is that people can just watch my YouTube is forever, right? All this stuff can live forever. These podcasts, this can live forever, all of it. So that's my hope for for the work that I do for the world in general. I hope I hope we move towards a higher level of consciousness, not a lower one. I think that's the easiest way to explain it is that if all of us just became more self-aware, more giving, more generous, that's the hope. And maybe go to Mars. That'd be cool. Let's see what happens. Yes, I love that. I hope that we end up terraforming and get the Dyson sphere around Earth. What does that even mean? Is it the like nice a here is like the idea of putting a bunch of solar panels probably surrounding another planet so it doesn't burn up ours, but like let's say we put a bunch we send off a bunch of satellites with solar panels to like Venus or uh, somewhere closer to the sun and the sun charges it up and it just kind of floats around this other planet and 
charges gives us free energy from the sun uh, so that we're not using resources on earth to get energy and that's cool that, once we get that kind of power resource we'll be able to uh travel further out into the galaxy because we'll be able to put dyson spheres on other planets where our spaceships can like refuel recharge and have a you know uh, energy throughout the universe so that we can expand i i'm learning so much just talking to you Samantha. amazing Thank you. And honestly, I like that you uh, brought up that you hope you, like you're born in the right time. That's a, that's one of the main reasons I started a podcast because I was like, oh, wow, we have the opportunity to really make a time capsule for the future. Like we look back at uh, cuneiform tablets and say, oh, we have an idea of how life was in the past. They have, we have an idea. Like for all we know, we're reading these cuneiform tablets and the story could be fiction and we take it as history like because we're not at that period but at this time people can actually hear our voice see our personality thousands of years into the future like once it's in the internet it's in the cloud like we're we've reached eternal life in a way absolutely that's the way gary Vee thinks about it anyways mm. and that's and that's my hope too let's let's see how far i get i mean let's see how far we get in our lifetime i think that's the game I certainly believe in what you're doing. I, I think it's definitely going to last. Um, and I would like to take your challenge in answering the 50-year question because you're the first guest to flip it on me like that. And I like it. Um, so what I... You see, uh, the thing is, it's easy to, to say what we hope for. That's what I noticed, this question. So I'm going to just try to be as objective as possible because, you know, my fantasies are probably not aligned with most of the world. So I'm going to go with what I think. I personally think that people are going to start realizing the impact of toxic living, similar to how we realize cigarettes is not a cure for anything. When they used to advertise it as like, you're nauseous, smoke cigarette. You got a headache, smoke cigarette. Like, so I think that now that, you know, a lot of these companies that are making people sick or getting exposed that only more and more people are going to be more aware of it. And I think in 50 years, the American America's economy will be re recreated or at least being rebuilt from the ground up with the, with solar energy production, re reusable energy sources. And, and I also think that a lot of people are going to need communication coaches like you because technology is going to give us the most dependent tendencies and we're probably going to have a lot of social anxiety from being comfortable behind a screen. So that's what I think. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you'd give someone starting out in your career? Starting in my career, I would say this, you know, Tony Robbins says the quality of your life is solely determined by the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. Here's my version of the quote. My version of the quote, as I dare everyone who's listening to this podcast to ask themselves one very difficult question about life every single day. Because if you did that for 30 days, you'll never be the same ever again. So I call these 80-20 questions. These are the questions that I believe create the most clarity in one's life. So I'll give you a couple. Question number one, I'll give three to keep life easy today. One. If you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? If I made you an instant billionaire, what would you do with your time? Because a lot of us are optimizing for this magical number called 65, but we didn't pick that number. Somebody else picked that number for us. You should retire here. It's like, well, Steve Jobs died in his 50s. I don't think that's the right number. Yeah. So that's one. 
Number two, another question to think about is if you could only accomplish three things in your life, what would you want those three things to be and why? Only three things. This really helps you focus your mind on what actually matters for what you want to do in life. And then the third question is, what's a goal of a dream or a dream that you secretly gave up on and never told anyone about? So start documenting that question. And you might go ahead and pursue something that you otherwise might have not without the question. So yeah, that's my advice. Uh, these are all these amazing introspection gifts. I love all these tools. And thank you so much, Brendan. That is the last question that I have. And it's been an absolute enlightening honor to have you on our show. And I hope to stay in contact because I, I want to see your journey. I'm going to be following you. Absolutely, Samantha. You're amazing at interview. I loved your questions and I love your radiance. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Thank you. To support Brendan and his mission to provide quality content for those wanting to improve their public speaking, follow him on social media and check out Master Talk on YouTube. Brendan's social media links and YouTube channel will be in the description below. Communication can be scary, but with mentors like Brendan, you can begin to feel prepared. If you found value in our content, please tag us on social media on your insights. All feedback is welcomed and helps us serve our fellow Matrix members to stay up to date with our Matrix mentors and what we have in store for you. Bookmark our website and subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. It was great to have you on the Organic Matrix show and we'll love to see you on the next download. There you go.